Hi, I'm Sean O'Neill and welcome to episode four of the TWM Real Estate Podcast. This is a podcast that looks at the influences and influencers of real estate and it's supported and produced by TWM. In our very first podcast earlier this year, we reviewed the Q1 economic stats and given that we're now halfway through 2023, we decided it might be a good idea to invite our first guest, independent economic consultant Stephen Walsh, back to see where we now stand from an economic perspective, with particular reference, of course, to the real estate market. Also joining me today is my colleague and associate director of TWM, Russell Clear, who has just produced our TWM Q2 investment market infogram, which sets out the market turnover analysis for the second quarter of the year. Welcome back, Stephen. Thanks, Sean. Thank back, you. Russ. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Um, huge amount to get through. There's a lot of stats going on, a lot of things going on in, in the economy. So we'll just dive straight in, I suppose, to what the most pressing issue facing the real estate market is at the moment. That's interest rates. So, Stephen, where are we going? Yeah, well, I, I suppose, um, as, as expected, um, and, and I think we did speak with this at the last podcast as well, that ECB continue to increase interest rates. I mean, they're, they're still targeting inflation reduction to 2%. And at their meeting in June, they, they increased the rate by a quarter percent. So it's now up 4% in the last year. They haven't committed to a date when they might stop this. They will continue doing this until they feel inflation is under control. It is coming down um, and, and they, they're targeting, they're still targeting 2%. I mean, that's the, that's the long-term target they've got. And But they, they, don't, they don't think they're there yet. They, they still are somewhat uncertain in terms of... Um, to get inflation down to two percent, it's still above that. So they haven't given a commitment in terms of when they're going to stop raising rates. They certainly slowed it down. I mean, the fact that it's a quarter percent this time rather than half percent does indicate that they they feel there's some progress being made, but it's not over yet. And and I think it's it's somewhat uncertain. They, they their mantra they're using is that it'll be data driven, data dependent. They they're not making commitments from meeting to meeting. They, they're unlike what they have done in the past. They're waiting to see what way the data the data um, falls and the decision. It's consistent with what's happening in the UK and the US as well. I mean, the Bank of England have increased rates a number of times in the last uh, couple of years, as have the Fed in, in the US. They're both at about 5%. So ECB is still a little bit below that, but it's, it, it's consistent. I mean, they're doing the same as it's being done elsewhere in the big big economies. And I suppose there is a there is this risk, isn't there, all, all along that um, they'll they'll raise interest rates. There's a lag between the uh, impact of, of increased interest rates and, and, and economic activity. So is there a risk that they're just going to keep going and then it could be, you know, they might overdo it? Yeah, well, but it, that is a risk, of course. I mean, we've, we've mentioned that before, that if they, they do overdo it and, and it starts to depress the European economy, um, in a sense, it, it's, it's, uh, it's defeated its own purpose. Um, but certainly, so far, there's no evidence. I mean, the unemployment is down at, at, although it's higher than the Irish unemployment rate, it's down at record low levels in, 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 uh, across the EU. So that's positive. Um, now, they, they will acknowledge that they're not certain how quickly interest rates have an impact on the economy. So, but I think if they got any sign at all that it was having an effect, they might slow down. They might just wait and see. But as of now, we're still in a very uncertain environment and it, it's impossible to predict exactly where we're going to go with interest rates. Yeah, and I suppose that is the, it's the big thing that's having, it's, it's having a massive impact on, on the, the property market, both in terms of turnover and the kind of, the, the type of buyer that we're seeing in the market. And I think, Russ, you've seen this through the, through the stats over the last quarter and the last, half, the first half of the year, I suppose, effectively. Yeah, the Irish real estate investment turnover in Q2 2023 equated to 333 million. That's bringing the, the half year total to 955 million. 
Now, the Q2 2023 turnover figure reflects a 46% decrease from the previous quarter. Interestingly, though, the number of, the number of transactions for both Q1 and Q2 was 26, indicating a reduction in lot size for the quarter rather than a reduction in activity. Um, so the, the average deal size in Q2 was 13 million versus the average deal size in Q1 was 24 million. So we can see a, a, a significant decrease in the average uh, deal size. And is that compared to 2022? At 2022, um, if we strip out the um, Hibernia REIT sale from last year, um, the average deal size in Q2 2022 was 24.5 million as well. So yeah. um, it's 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 down significantly. So that's that's you know that's probably reflective of the fact that it's it's private investors that are in the market rather than the high highly leveraged you know private equity yeah ab- absolutely um it, it seems to be a lot of the the private irish uh, investors and um some of the, the french funds are also coming in it seems to be about it's hard to tell exactly but we estimate uh, in excess of 90% of the transactions were cash buyers oh yeah that's interesting i suppose what we've seen in terms of the availability of finance it, there is finance available uh, there's a lot of the alternative lenders are are still in the market and they're lending however the margins are charging it means that the overall cost of borrowing is quite high so that's that's kind of pushing i suppose the feasibility of some investment decisions uh, into question yeah um, absolutely and um, then in terms of just in terms of that you you mentioned about you know the French funds coming in. So we are seeing new entrants coming into the Irish market all the time. Um, like we'll get we'll probably maybe get, get back to the Irish economy later, but that you know that's that's having a big impact too. Yeah, I think um the French funds equated to uh six of the um twenty six transactions. Uh, we also saw a new entrance coming in from Germany and South South Africa as well, um, which is positive for the Irish market. Mm. It just shows that uh, there's still plenty of interest to uh to place money in Ireland. We'll come back to that maybe maybe later on. But I suppose one of the things that we did comment on in, in the in the podcast in Q1 was the the impact of interest rates on the feasibility of residential development and the feasibility of residential investment, the uh, uncertainty around planning, bill costs and all that. So, you know, that's that's still the case. I think, Russ, we've seen. Uh, and one of the the reasons that the that the overall turnover in the market is down is because of the lack of pre pre commitments or pre fundings of PRS investment. Yeah, haven't been. It was it was the driving force behind the strong performance in the investment market in recent years and, and quarters. And um, PRS accounted for just twenty eight percent or ninety five million of turnover in Q two, having accounted for fifty three percent or three hundred thirty three million in Q one. If we go back further, um, the PRS was over four hundred million in Q four of twenty twenty two, and over six hundred million in Q three twenty twenty two. So it's a significant downward trend uh, for that sector that we've seen. Yeah, and in terms of um, drawdowns, completions, Stephen, have you seen much uh, much impact on that? Yeah, well, in terms of residential, I mean, our RD bars, I mean, they, they're both up, um, which surprisingly, um, I mean, pr- approvals are up um, as are drawdowns. Um, so that that's that in a sense is positive, but it, it, it means that, I mean, just just come back to what Russ is saying, if, if the institutions are, put, are, are not participating, it means that the market is being left down to personal borrowers. And uh, there certainly um, approvals are... are as I said, approvals of drawdowns are both up. Lots or or loan size is up quite substantially. Um, for drawdowns up by about nine percent. Um, I mean drawdowns themselves are up by about ten percent in uh, in value. Um, and and the 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 loan size up by about nine percent. So it's positive mm. from that that point of view. And in terms of um, you know 
construction, you know, the the uh, starts and completions. Have you seen yeah. much change? It's interesting that I mean the, the data published for for completions is for Q1. Although the government did say something about Q2, they, have, they haven't published the data yet. And completions were okay in Q1. I mean, they, they were up. Um, but from what I can gather, that that hasn't held through to Q, Q2. We don't have the data on that yet, so we don't know. But certainly, completions appear to be up in Q1, which is positive. But mm. as I said, we we just don't know what the um, Positions in Q two. Yeah, well, that that would probably from from anecdotally from what we're hearing is you know a lot of those because funding is uncertain. Sure. Timing once you start is uncertain, or once you even get planned. So that's that has had an impact on on developers undertaking sure. new, new schemes. Sure, uh, sure. You know, and I mean, it, we mentioned before about the, about the planning issue. It's it's interesting that the IDA um have mentioned. The planning system as a sort of deterrent now as well. So it's not just something that is coming from the market, the property market, but it it, it seems to be an issue that's you know has found its way into the FDI program as well, and and uh, which might you know create a kind of a, an impetus to do something about it maybe. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it definitely it's definitely an issue, and uh, particularly in in you know from speaking to developers, it's it's a massive concern of theirs that sure, it, it sure. means that projects are taking years. Sure. You know, and it's taken a few years to get through the planning process. Um just just going on, I suppose moving on a little bit, we we spoke briefly there with Russ about new entrants into the into the Irish investment market. You know, Ireland is still a very attractive destination for sure, investment. I sure. suppose looking at the overall economic stats like there is sort of some conflicting information you've seen you know a big slowdown in gdp big reduction in exports you know we've heard about some layoffs in the tech sector having said that though we've a massive exchequer surplus we've extremely low unemployment so sure. it's it is confusing and it, and it is kind of uncertain i mean on the negative side yes gdp is slowed down largely in the back of, of, of a slowdown in exports and that might be due to sort of a, just a renormalization of Exports following the kind of emergence from the pandemic that the, the exports would have mostly in the pharma sector. Mm-hmm. I mean, exports would have grown throughout the pandemic, largely in pharma, and and to some extent it's, it's normalising. Now that's not trying to put a you know a positive spin, but it, we will we will know better, I think, as as the year goes on. But on the domestic side, it's all very positive. I mean, domestic demand is up, um, wages are up, retail sales are are holding. Um, unemployment is at record low levels. So all the kind of the pointers that one would look at from a domestic point of view are all very positive. So it, it does look like the economy will, will, you know, kind of ride out whatever issues we're having in relation to export trade, that the domestic economy is, is kind of, is almost a saviour now. And, and consumer spending is about 46% of total domestic demand, the highest ever. Um, so it, it, it's very important in terms of the, um, you know, the, the overall performance of the economy. I think Ireland is still a very attractive place. If we link that with, say, um, now we might come to this later on, but look at, say, the, the attractiveness of Dublin as a city. Dublin score is very highly. Um, we have published in our in our report, um, just taken from, from the, the Dublin Economic Monitor, that you know, there's about 20 indicators that they, they, they cover. And we score very well on, on, on quite a number of those. One or two we don't, one or two that we're, we're it's it's somewhat negative, but certainly in some of the very important ones, we're right at the top, mm. and if anything, we're moving in the right direction. So I think, in terms of of, of Dublin, Ireland as an attractive place for international investment, yes, I think we can say it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And is am I right in saying like I mean the over the last few years, it's been all you know the 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 economy has been driven by foreign investment effectively, and it's still extremely important. But the domestic economy has has suddenly come. Good. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, I mean, yeah. a lot of the you know the modified domestic 
demand the 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 uh, the, the forecast for that seem to be yeah, very strong. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, well, I think some of it is is maybe due to confidence. That I mean, for for about the last um, seven months in a row, consumer confidence has improved. It's been positive. It's been above the, the threshold mark of fifty every month in in twenty twenty three. Um, so that's certainly positive. Now that might reflect the fact that people believe the worst is over. Not not that that the we're out of the woods entirely, but that the worst is over in terms of the inflation challenge. There maybe the, the the geopolitical uncertainty, um, and that's given rise to people spending. Um, I mean, saving the savings ratio is down from. 24% to 14% from the, towards the end of last year to the early part of this year. And that's very significant. I mean, that means people are prepared to... They're not saving for the rainy day or saving as for precautionary reasons. They're actually out spending. And, mm. and that, that has to be has to be a good thing from the economy's point of view. And that, that has, you know, partly given rise to reduction in unemployment down to 3.8%, historically low. Um, so it's all pointing in the right direction. And I suppose one of the big... Uh, things that the government has done in the last couple of months is, is set aside a you know a, a, a rainy day fund or a, a sovereign wealth fund, whatever sure, you want to call sure. it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure what the name of it is, but it's <laughs> it amounts to the same thing. And I mean, I think part of it is based on the, the realization that, and the government will, will acknowledge this themselves that we, we we've done extraordinarily well in terms of corporation uh, tax take, but that. Quite a bit of that is is due to a very small number of companies, and it does leave us vulnerable. I mean, they will, they will admit that themselves, but they've wisely chosen to to transfer a big chunk of that into the national reserve fund, um, and they've been complimented by the fiscal advisory council saying this is the right thing to do. Now you could argue maybe should somebody should go into infrastructural that's investment. What I, that's what I was going to say. Would, yeah. would, you know, would a normal a normal thing to do would be to, to invest in infrastructure, build the metro yeah, to yeah, the airport, yeah. do all of that. Yeah. You know? I mean, it, it's certainly a temptation. Um, the danger might be that w- once you embark on a project like that, you're committed to it. And we've seen what happened with the Children's Hospital. But that if, God forbid, if the FDI tax take were to, um, you know, slow down or I don't think it'll ever dry up, we might be just left with, with a, you know, a shortfall. So... The other option is to just put the money away. Um, so I think it's it, it's something the government to keep an eye on. And, and But as of now, what they've done is they've done what I think is a sensible thing, which they maybe should have done back at the time of the uh, of, of the boom before we had the crash in 2008, was to build the Sovereign Wealth Fund or the, or the National Reserve Fund and, and have it there as a rainy day fund. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Russ, again, we kind of touched on the... Uh, the, the demand for investment from foreign investors. So obviously, um, you know, foreign investors looking at Ireland do feel it's a safe place to invest. Um, what are the stats co- showing us on that? Yeah, it continues to show that overseas investors are are, are, are putting money into Ireland. And Q2 of 2023, there was, it was up at 60% um, with a couple of deals, uh, private and confidential. So it's likely that some of them were overseas as well. So it's probably pushing up over 60%, um, which brings... Um, the, the half year well up over over fifty percent as well. Um, I think we were fifty five percent in Q one, and now up over sixty percent in Q two. So it's showing mm. uh, strong signs. It's interesting. Like even you know, with the with the way that the, the market is and the you know the uncertainty that's there, we are seeing new entrants all the time. Like I mean, every quarter we see two or three new entrants coming into the market. Yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned earlier, um, the the French funds are very active. Uh, we saw a new German fund and a South African consortium as well, and uh, with a first acquisition in Ireland. So positive to see. Uh, that continues each quarter. Yeah. Um, Stephen, just 
I suppose going back to the economy again, one of the things we've been a strong advocate for over the last number of years has been the retail sector. We do feel that it offers good good opportunities, good returns. Uh, we felt that the market had, had, you know, the values and rents had fallen to a level that were, were sustainable again. Um, and I, I suppose maybe, Russ, actually, I'll, I'll go to you first in terms of how have we seen that coming through in the stats now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think in terms of, of where retail um, finished Q2, it was uh, it was the strongest performing uh, sector at 39% or 129 million uh, spent, which is up uh, from, from from Q1, um, which was just 11% or 65 million. So it's uh, it showed that like retail equated for about nine of the 26 deals uh, completed. Mm. So it's very positive from that side of things. And I think there was a softening of yields and improved con- consumer demand is providing investors with the reassurance that there is value in, in, in that sector. Yeah, like I suppose, and it's, it's across all parts of, of, the, of the retail. So we've seen good demand for shopping centres, good demand for retail parks, and now also good demand for, for um, prime retail. We, we mentioned that in our last podcast that there was a, that, that was starting to come through. There's a lot of new lettings which are giving confidence to investors, but it's actually a good wealth protection play in terms of the yields now drifting out to say for prime Grafton Street, five and a half percent, which is historically is a very safe level to invest at. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the latest deals on Grafton Street was um, Castor, who are the official kit sponsors of um, our kit providers of the Irish football and Leinster rugby teams. And they've just taken a store on Grafton Street at a rent of 300,000. And we also saw the sale of 36 Grafton Street, which was leased to Dewberry Books. And um, now we understand that was sold for about 5.3 million, which equates uh, to a net initial net initial yield of 5.4 so it's close mm. to your, your 5.5 mm. there which um, obviously historically has, has been a lot lower back in the um, in the boom times Yeah yeah, uh, and Stephen just I suppose re, re going back over again what we've said to some degree but that's back the, 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 the retail uh, the comfort that investors are getting from retail is backed up by the economic stats in terms of earnings and savings and consumer confidence Oh sure I mean, I mean we've mentioned some of this before but Savings rates down, which means people are spending. Um, earnings are up, and not, not not as much as inflation, but earnings are are you know are rising. Unemployment is down at historic low levels, um, and the, you know the the level of retail sales is certainly kept up. It's two point five percent overall. I mean, we, we we normally exclude sale of cars, and we we exclude the bar trade. Leaving those out, we're, we're talking about 25 2.6% um, in, in the last 12 months. And, you know, a, a sector that, that TWM have popularised or certainly promoted in, in, in the past has been the supermarket business. And that, that's that's holding um, holding well as well. Um, another issue that that we, we have, um, you know, kind of put our cards on the table on his online sales. I mean, you know, during the, the the pandemic when online sales went up to, you know, extraordinary levels, I mean, you know, understandably, but it's come back down to quite close to where it was pre-pandemic. And, you know, so, so it indicates um, that, you know, the, the, the future of bricks and mortar is, would, would look secure. I mean, the, the, there was a recent report done on behalf of Penny's Biomoric Research, which, you know, showed that a growing number of people are less interested in online sales. They miss the shopping experience. They want to get back to shops. And it does look like all of those factors are pointing to, you know, the retail sector being safe, um, you know, being a secure investment, um, being something that, that's not going to die. I mean, people you know, people had this fear that online sales would have been the death knell. Absolutely. 
the evidence is not saying that at all. It's suggesting that bricks and mortar are going to be around. And the other issue, of course, is, is consumer confidence, which I mentioned before as well. Consumer confidence has, has improved every month this year. We're, we're, we're above the threshold of 50. Um, it's it, it looks like it's all very sound from that point of view. Yeah. yeah. That's that sort of leads back. We, we also saw like the sale of Carlo, City East and Blackwater Retail Parks. So it just shows that mm. investors are are seeing that um, that shift that you mentioned, Stephen, and uh, are are looking to place money in there. And we're seeing, I suppose, like, I mean, the, the, the logistics element or the logistics sector of the market is still very much in demand. Um, sure. Yields have drifted up because yields had gone quite low. Uh, but it is quite linked to the retail sector. Sure, sure. So that, yeah, yeah. The, you know, the logistics and the distribution is is very much in demand. We've sure. had a number of sales, uh, you know, going through our books and we've seen big, big interest in that. And I, I think that, that, you know, previously, you know, the industrial market was, was very much manufacturing based, sure, or, you sure. know, industrial Factory based, whereas yeah, now yeah. it's very much logistics based and that's and that's yeah, still yeah. very much in demand from investors. And I think Brexit has probably had an impact on that as well. Yeah, we think so. I think the fact that UK companies, you know, will, will partly because of supply chain issues as well, will, will look to kind of have a, a, a depot, if you like, in Ireland, um, maybe a kind of a, a, quite a large one, then maybe kind of a, a number of smaller ones feeding from that. So that has given rise to the... To the um, Mm. Now, that, that notwithstanding, I mean that 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 to some extent maybe flies in the face of, of what we're saying about online sales. But I think there's there's room for both, and I think you know that the the growth in, in logistics is is reflective of of maybe of Brexit as well. The fact that UK suppliers just want to have their base in Ireland, want to be there to um, yeah. you know, supply you know. And it's it's spread. It's actually interesting because it's 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 not just Dublin now. Uh, a lot of the logistics companies will have that hub and spoke model where they have the ma- major hub, but then they will also have sure, uh, sure. you know smaller yeah. hubs around the country, and that's that's given a bit of a, a, a sure, fill sure. up to the yeah. to the the regional market yeah, for, yeah. for that. Absolutely, it makes perfect sense. That I mean, I, I think from most of us, you you would establish the hub first and then see where you put the smaller ones mm. and uh, and it may be that there's room for even further development of, of the, the open spoke model. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You mentioned um, uh, the, the, the the rankings, the Dublin uh, Dublin as a city ranking. We It's something that we've always included in, in our, our economic and property uh, publication. But uh, yeah, we just thought maybe it's worth calling out a few of those in, in this podcast. Today. Sure, yeah. I mean, the, the, the two where we rank number, number one are... Um, FDI small regions of the future, which is based on stuff like economic potential, human capital and lifestyle, cost effectiveness, connectivity and business friendliness. And Dublin score is absolutely number one in that. The other one where we, um, and maybe predictably where we score number one, is, is um, I suppose it's the Brexit dividend. It's the financial services Brexit tracker, which is based on the movement of, of, of both the service that companies offer, but also the staff. Um, from the UK, in this case into Dublin, we score very high. We score number one in, in both of those. And that's compared to other European well, cities. Well, absolutely. It, it, yeah. I mean, it, some of the rankings are, are, are global, but the vast bulk of, the, of, of them are, are, are European. We hold second place in, in the European um, Capital of Innovation Awards and we sit in third position on the tech cities of the f- European tech cities of the future and that's European based. But they're, they're two very high placings for us. Yeah, and city. I wonder, is that, you know, with the... Um, Layoffs in the tech sector, you know, you, you hear anecdotally about all the, the layoffs that like the likes of Microsoft and Google and all these sure, people. Yeah, are, yeah. It doesn't, they're, they're not huge in terms of Ireland. No, they're, they're not massive. I mean, the number of jobs lost, I mean, it, it, it clearly is there and we have to acknowledge it. Um, But it's not massive in terms of, of the overall numbers. And I, I think where companies do come back, they're probably doing it globally. 
and and the so Dublin takes its share of that, but it certainly hasn't hasn't dented the the employment numbers and you know the, the employment is now at its historically high level two point six million we've never been that high before unemployment is at record low levels so in terms of labour market we're we're doing extraordinarily well just to go back to the rankings I mean it is fair to acknowledge that there are some that were not you know we, we would like to improve but you know the things like the quality of living. Um, index the, the the cost of living index, I mean, which is probably largely based around housing, university rankings. Um, now we're a small city, um, but we we've edged into the top one hundred. I think it's Trinity has gone into the about ninety eight position. So there's a few where we're, we're we're lower than we would like to be, but on balance, we're, we're our rankings are very very strong for, from um from a Dublin point of and view. And is the yeah. is the housing uh the housing issues that we're seeing. Are, are they reflective in any of the rankings or pulling us back a little bit? Yeah, there would, there would be in terms of the cost of living. I mean, the, mm. the, you know, the cost of rent. I mean, it's interesting about housing that, you know, both the government in, in their summer economic statement and IDA in its annual report or its press briefing in relation to the annual report have indicated that housing is an issue. And this has been raised before by the Competitors Council where they, they've said that in terms of attracting foreign direct investment, housing is now a constraint. So it's certainly something that, I think all elements of, of, of the kind of state apparatus are aware of and, you know, are either the likes of IDA putting pressure on for something to be done or, you know, other bodies who can are trying to do something about it. But it is certainly an issue and uh, we just need to acknowledge that. It's not, you know, there's also the infrastructural deficit. We we still feel, we, we the government have acknowledged this as well and IDA have said it, that we, we do need maybe to consistently improve our, our infrastructure. Things like the energy supply, the electricity supply, which, you know, has been touch and go a few times in the last twelve months. People put it down to data centres. It may not be fully due to data centres, um, but you know, it's something we just need to be aware of. So uh, although I think on balance it, it the FDI program is very positive, um it, it's not absolutely certain. And IDA have acknowledged that the second half of the year would be more uncertain than the first. They did very well in the first half of the year, but they they're not they're not Kind of shouting about the second half year just as much as they might normally, they might normally do. Just going on to I suppose things to look out for going forward. Um, you you and in our in our chat in advance of this podcast, you'd mentioned a few things that were high on the agenda, generally. Yeah, uh, I, I I think it's a few things that are are you know floating around the system and that um they're becoming one obviously we mentioned before is the aging population. I think it it's absolutely inexorable. I mean, it's happening, and I, and I do think that. You know, we don't have an update on the population projections based on the 2022 census yet. I think when we do, it'll be very interesting to see whether it's actually got more intense, um, which I suspect it will. Um, so so that population ageing, which then feeds into the demand for healthcare, the demand for nursing homes, the demand for independent living for elderly people. I think that's definitely something that we need to look out for. It's interesting. Sorry for yeah. cutting across you there. It's interesting. Yeah. When we, in our last podcast, we had John Hannigan on and we were talking about the, the demand for for social housing and for housing in general. And again, there's a lot of people waiting for those that census information to come sure. out because yeah, yeah. there is a sense that we're, you know, there's a, things yeah. are a lot there's a lot more demand coming through to the system sure, than we sure. thought there yeah, would yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's quite something we might have a look at ourselves in mm. the, in a future podcast. I mean, maybe wait until the the projections are, are out. Um, the other two things that I think are important are climate change. I mean, I think you know the, the it's happening. There's no doubt that I mean, despite the skeptics and despite the, the you know the fact that people might, might might wish it wasn't there, I think climate change is happening, and I think the the certainly government, you know need to, to meet its targets and, and to, you know, be seen to be a good kind of national citizen, if you like, sovereign citizen, um, 
it's only going to put pressure on companies. So I think it, it will be an issue. I think, you know, you maybe mentioned, John, about the um, the impact it has on real estate as well. So it's... Uh, yeah, even on the, the first, the, the, the two points that you've mentioned there, um, the, you know, the, the, the aging population is having an impact on, 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 on the real estate market. We've seen it's an it's a, an early stages of development in this in Ireland, but in other in other countries, you know, senior living, uh, uh, nursing homes, you know, all of those markets have developed and are sub sectors and indeed sectors in their own right sure. that start just starting to happen here now. Yeah, and yeah. actually, it's also the healthcare sector, so sure. it's all kind of connected: the healthcare, sure. senior living, nursing homes. Uh, and in terms of climate change, um, it's it's fundamentally you know, for in institutional investors in particular, and for big corporates, it's a big uh, you know having the right um, rating on your on your sure. on your property. They can't they can't move in or they can't invest mm-hmm. unless they have that. So sure. it is it is a big thing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just going back to the, to the aging population, um, you know, I. I, I, I you mentioned other countries maybe are, are ahead of us. They're ahead of us maybe just because the population's age, you know, in advance of ours. Mm. But I think when ours, when we reach the peak, we'll actually be more intensive than than, than those other countries. We we will suffer maybe more than they've suffered in the, in the sense of maybe suffer is the wrong word to use, but in having to deal with it, you know, an elderly population. And the third element that we, we, we I think we need to watch out for is this whole program towards digitalization. I think, you know, there's pressure coming out on companies just an awareness that the, the world of the future won't be the same as the world of the past and that, you know, digitalization will become part and parcel of, of our daily lives. I mean, that, you know, I, I think it's a long way off. It may be a cashless society. Now, I think we may never get there and I think government are committed to retaining cash, you know, for maybe for older people primarily, but, you know, how long are older people going to, you know, everybody's going to get old at some stage. But I, but I do think we are moving towards um, you know, a, a digital world, and and you know, as well as with the growth of AI as well, it'll only intensify. Now, we've we've had this mantra for years that you know, in twenty years, and we don't know what jobs we'll be doing in twenty years. Half the jobs we'll be doing in twenty years, some don't even exist now. And I think that's only enhanced, but by, by digitalization. And I think the government are aware of this. They they've, you know, tried to alert companies to the um, to this issue to say that you need to be kind of prepared and preparing for. The kind of the, the growth mm. of digitalization as, as it happens, and and I think it'll happen in every sector. I mean, some obviously more than others. Like the likes of finance, clearly, it's 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 very easy to adopt. It might be stored in other sectors, but I think it will happen. I suppose yeah. AI is something that's just we just don't know where that's going to go. Absolutely where does it? Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a bit nervous about it in some yeah, respects, yeah. but at the same time, it's it's happening. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but I think that's going to really have a massive impact yeah. on 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 all all aspects of life. Yeah, I, I think it will, and I, you know. I think people were fearful in the past about technology generally, um, but you know, unemployment is down at, at record low levels. I mean, what it do, what technology does is maybe takes over the needs for of the for humans to do menial tasks and it liberates humans to do other tasks. And AI might be the same. I mean, AI, might, AI, I think I, I would see it as just it's a further development of digitalization. It's kind of the next step, if you like, and and I would think that, you know, if things are done with AI, you know, hopefully, you know, there, there'll be. Other jobs hopefully for, for be, your, hopefully be a need of a need for property yeah, experts. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I suppose I'm conscious of time. Um, more immediate issues we need to look out for in the next quarter, six months. Yeah, well, obviously the the, the Ukrainian Russian situation is mm. one. Um, you know the the fact that it, you know it it has just maybe dragged on. We saw, um, you know, uh, President Zelensky's um approach to NATO in the last day or two, um. I mean, who knows how that will play out? Um, there's also China, China-US relations that are there in the background as well. Um, 
so I think that whole area of, of kind of geopolitical development is, is a little bit unknown still. It feels, feels but, very uncertain. It, it does a bit, but I think people, you know, if you look at the consumer confidence, I mean, people seem to have either got over the worst of their fears and, and you know, maybe because inflation is maybe coming down, energy prices are under more control than they were, that people are not as worried about it as, as they were. That's not to say it's gone. It's not gone by any means. But I don't think it's having the same impact um, on, on people's daily lives as, may, as maybe it might have had. I think we um, I think we said before, and just given that, you know, what everybody has gone through over the last number of years, uncertainty is the new certainty. Everybody's just got used to it. Absolutely. Well, we had three things. Well, we, we had Brexit, followed by COVID, followed by the Ukrainian-Russian conflict. And, you know, it certainly has been the watchword for, for about the mm. last four or five years. And uh, maybe we have got used to it. And, you know, so... We're ready to deal whatever the next one is. Although I'd yeah. prefer if it... Yeah, of course. <laughs> prefer if we would, just settle down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look, I think I think we've got through quite a lot. We're moving on in time, so we might just wrap it up there. I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of food for thought, even in in for future podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could be here for days talking about these things. But just, just thank you guys for for uh, taking part in the, the podcast again, and then look forward to the to the next one. Thanks, Sean. Thank Thanks, you. You can find out more about TWM on twmproperty.ie and this podcast and future episodes will be available on our website. Uh, You can also listen wherever you find your podcasts and we'll see you in the next one.